With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Claps, claps, claps. Les différents podcasts de frappe. Arsenal have been through their mile and a half of pipe like Andy Dufresne in the Shawshank Redemption where you have to see the light at the end of the tunnel. El podcast de golpe diferente. But Arsenal are going through their pipe, like I say. We'll be back. The Different Knock Podcast. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. <sighs> Hello and welcome back to the Is Mohamed El Nenny really fasting? Because I saw him eating rice up in the midfield during Ramadan all day podcast, uh, hosted for the first time ever by yours truly, Bradley Adams. And I am absolutely gassed and delighted to say, uh, regular c contributor, pops on quite a lot, absolute class human being, a legend, knows his oh, stuff. <laughs> Rohan Giovan at RJ Arsenal blog. We're going we're gonna to take a quick pause for two to three seconds of absolute silence while all of you turn this podcast off. Get your Twitter up. Go and follow this man, especially if you want to learn deep dives into the game. He's done a 3,000-word deep dive into Juego de Posición and all the things Mikel Arteta. Please go give him a follow. Honestly, some of the best stuff I've ever read. Absolutely class to have you here, mate. Oh, man. Really appreciate that. Honestly, like, it generally means a lot, you know, every time... Someone, someone just says something nice or even constructive as well. But um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I think this is the third time now uh, I've yeah. came on and uh, it was it was class the last two times and I'm sure it'll be class today. But firstly, like I said, um, before coming on here, happy birthday to you. Oh, uh, mate. Thank you so mate. much. It's uh, it's a, I, I, you know, I, I found out today I share, a, I share a birthday with Rocky Rowcastle. Never knew that. Yes. Yeah. It's class. Thank you. Two class people. Oh, mate, <laughs> mate, the sweet talk will get you everywhere. <laughs> so uh, it is it is now, you know, we're recording this Sunday night. You're hearing this Monday. Apologies for the for the for the late um, posting. Obviously, Alex is away. And uh, so you're stuck with me bumbling my way through through my first ever solo uh, main pod, which will be which will be fun. Solo hosting this uh, and couldn't think of a better partner to do it with. So thank you so much for popping on. Uh, let's crack straight into the game. Uh, my word of the game today, and this I should have probably told you about a word of the game. That's fine. But uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll ramble on and off to let you think. Uh, <laughs> mine is grind. I think I've used this before and Octoguna is going to be furious at me. So I might even lose the word of the game battle to Alex, who isn't even here today. But alas, that victory for me was 
fought out, grinded out. Actually, my word of the game is battle. We absolutely battled for the three points yesterday. Uh, and it is exactly what we've needed in this team for years. For so long, we have been able to be muscled out, muscled off the ball, muscled out of games, kicked out of games so, so, so easily. And yesterday is just another showing of the progression, not only technically, not only in terms of play style, but in mentality and grit in these players. The way that they can fight out, fight out to get these three points at a stadium. We are the only top six team that have won at the London Stadium so far this season. And Man City are the only team left to play there. We absolutely battled for those three points. And I couldn't be prouder of the lads. wonder what you nah. think, mate. Honestly, like, you know, my thoughts pretty much tie into everything you said there. Um, word of the game. I think, again, you know, every time I come out of an Arsenal game, um, and I watch them twice, you know, the first time is always as a fan emotionally. I'm not one of those who will sit there with a pen and paper. I'll watch it there and just, like, experience it as someone you know who just you know loves the club and just going through every every minute of emotion um, and then the second time I'll watch it a little bit with a calmer head and just see if I can I can spot anything um, that's quite interesting um, but for me I think similar to you the word I would use is resilient um, and I think I've used this word quite a lot throughout the season and um, you know for me when you go through the season and you look at sustainability and I think this Arsenal team has showed that on a number of occasions in terms of the performances that have been delivered you know a lot of the wins that we've had I would argue that every single win that we've had has been deserved you know in different ways you know I think there's up for debate for um, the victory against Burnley away from home and Leicester away from home but I think we have to understand in those types of games where you know similarly to the West Ham game where we had to defend resiliently and um, defend you know with authority and in a commanding manner and yesterday whilst you know the quality on the ball was was poor for me very poor um and i think that's more down to the fact that this team is experiencing that pressure because we have a lot holding on here you know there's something really big that we're trying to achieve as a young team and you know it's it's normal for for young players who've never experienced that to to feel that level of anxiety and i think that's what we've seen in each of the games against chelsea united and west ham whilst winning the game and you know yesterday Resilient, I think, is the perfect word to use because, you know, throughout a season, you're not always going to be at the races. You're not always going to be able to play scintillating football. Um, and we've seen Arsenal do that this season on a number of occasions. Yesterday, you know, it was more of a game of, you know, being compact, being resilient when we didn't have the ball. And again, you know, so many occasions this season, you go to the Aston Villa game away from home towards the latter stages, the last 10 minutes, where we really had to dig deep against Wolves away from home, where we were down to 10 men um, with an unfortunate red card. And, you know, Mikel in both those games reacted. He brought Rob Holding on to act as the centrepiece of a back three to move to a back five when we defend. And we're so comfortable in that shape and we, we were able to get results over the line using that, that approach. Obviously, Rob Holding started yesterday so we didn't have that super sub um, I, I refer that sub actually to if you go back to Mourinho when he came back to Chelsea um, where he had where the game state changed and they had to solidify things and make sure that they got over the line he always brought on John Obi Mikel to come in midfield and it just they, they nullified everything and they were able to get results consistently. I feel like we've done that with Rob Holding this season. But yesterday as well, whilst we didn't have that kind of tactical change of bringing in a Rob Holding, he was starting. We were still, you know, very organised. And despite the fact that we weren't performing well on the ball, 
you have to say when you if you're a neutral and you watch that you would think that Arsenal weren't troubled at all in that second half you know we mm. were very comfortable and that is a testament to the structure and that is a testament to this team you know doing everything they can to defend well as a unit and to get over the line and again it's another example of this team like I said showing resilience and you need to have that especially when you're fighting for something you know towards the business end of the season so that definitely would be the word I would use to describe that um, that performance. Perfectly put, mate. And, you know, like you say, there was a bit of a, a bit of a lethargic start and um, some sloppy performances. It almost felt like we were the team that had had a midweek European game for the first kind of 30 minutes. And then the the coin kind of flipped a bit. We, we, we kind of got a bit more gumption, got a bit kind of we'd, we'd switched gears. There was a bit more kind of petrol in the tank. And that's definitely something that I think that helped us going forward. The fact that, you know, West Ham had just had a semi-final. I mean, I don't want to talk a lot about it. A very strange team from David Moyes, yeah. seeing as he's got the most the most important game in that club's history for the last 50 years in, in two days now. And, you know, they lost the game, so they did it for nothing. So an unbelievably strange set of decisions there. But more on Arsenal, you know, there was some sloppy passing. And I guess when when we don't have White and when we don't have Party, we have no central progression. We find it so, so hard to bring that that ball forward. I thought Elneny is doing some of it, but not all of it. I think that, you know, Mikel has obviously coached a, a, a bit into him. You know, he's definitely not the sideways and backwards merchant that he he once was. He He does get his head up more, though especially because they weren't pressing him. I felt like he could push an extra five yards before playing the ball, kind of try a bit more. But I mean, he did put in a decent, decent performance. I guess I wonder what you think about why, why did we start this game so sloppy after pretty much a a week off and a week to recover after two intense games in the week? Do you think it was fatigue? Again, I think, um, you know, it's it's definitely a number of things. I wouldn't say, firstly, it's structural issues, you know, because I think when you look at, you know, Mikel and he, he got a lot of criticism for his approach taken um, against Brighton um, in particular, um, particularly in terms of, you know, we, we lost two key cogs in Thomas Partey and Kieran Tierney, um, you know, and when you lose those types of players and you look at what we have in reserve, it is obviously going to be a massive miss. Having said that, you know, we... In the summer, we signed certain players to ensure that when we had injuries, we could kind of cope in their absence and go for something, you know, more basic and something that we've done under Arteta primarily. Because if you if you go all the way back, you know, to December early last year, um, and you know, I, I wrote something on it in terms of the tweaks that we applied to the to the system and um, the spaces that Granite was primarily occupying and the spaces that Tierney was occupying prim- primarily. You know, usually we've seen Granite effectively being that progressor from deep under Arteta. You know during um, his reign here. And we've seen Kieran Tierney effectively, you know, act as a left winger pretty much, you know, um, obviously on paper, it's it's categorised as him as the left back. But in reality, when you watch the dynamics and you look at the zones he's occupying, he's pushed really high up. Then we changed it because it became very predictable in terms of always using Kieran Tierney to be, you know, that main source of chance creation. And we applied a tweak. We had Granite moving slightly further forward at times and we had Tierney making more later overlaps as opposed to being that guy stationed really high and wide and, you know, effectively always marked. Whereas 
when we went through that run from the Southampton game all the way to the moment Thomas Partey got injured against Crystal Palace, he was making more later overlaps and was a lot more unpredictable. And, you know, the wide overloads from the left and the right, the the fact that it was symmetrical, it really helped us. But like I said, without Thomas Partey and um, Kieran Tierney, we've had to make a change. Um, we've had to go back to a pivot and um, we've had to have Nuno push back up. So effectively, we've gone back to what we've been doing under Arteta primarily. And it has done, it has helped us in these three games. Having said that, like I said earlier on in this, um, we've seen quite poor quality on the ball. Um, and that kind of transmitted into the West Ham game as well, which was rather strange. But at the same time, you can understand it because there is a lot of anxiety uh, amongst certain players. And you saw it with Nuno Tavares, you know, throughout the game. And I think he was um, one of the massive um, reasons why we struggled to have, you know, a significant amount of control in the game on the ball and also was um it was quite strange because we didn't really press West Ham um in throughout the game really and we were kind of more happy to sit in a in a more mid block and we were kind of like preventing them from playing passes through the line and I felt that if you go to the game where we played them earlier on at the Emirates we pressed the life out of them and we had Issa Diop um, as that pressing trigger we we forced them to go towards him and then we jumped on him and made it really difficult for them and just you know controlled that game really well and I felt we didn't do that in this game and I felt that was an opportunity missed um, so I think that is another reason why we didn't have that same level of you know fluidity so for me, the, the sloppiness came from certain individuals, Nuno Tavares in particular. I, I also think that we we definitely had a game plan yesterday, for sure. Um, as, when I watched it back, you know, West Ham all season has been kind of suspect between the centre-back and the full-back. Um, if you go to their Europa League game very recently, the goal that the, um, Frankfurt score... Um, the winner at, um, at in the first leg, it comes from a ball between the centre-back and the full-back. And we tried to target that in the first half. We had Nuno really high up to create a disconnect between their full-back and centre-back. And then Gabby would look to take up that space inside. But we kept giving the ball away. And giving the ball away means you lose control and that sloppiness just comes through the team and you're not able to, to sustain pressure. So mm. I think, yeah, just um, a combination of sloppy passes, but also the fact that we didn't really press, um, press them, which was rather surprising. And like you said, you know, we've had eight days to to recover. Um, so you felt there was going to be more energy, but maybe it's just um, the nerves and the anxiety that this team is feeling. Could be a momentum thing as well. Sometimes yeah. having those bounce games in the week allows you to continue that form forward. It did feel like at some points we needed a Granite or an Elneny to kind of just put his foot on the ball, take take kind of take a collective deep breath and and just hold hold us together a bit more. Um and that kind of brings us perfectly onto talking about uh, our first goal. You know, we can we our corner record this season is is unbelievable. Oh, you know, 100, 188 um, faced, zero conceded. I think we've conceded yeah. one from the second phase of a corner, but we've not conceded from a hunt directly from one hundred and eighty eight yes. corners. Yeah. We've also scored a hell of a lot from corners yeah. this season. Yeah. Both of our goals this season coming from from this season. Both both of our goals this game uh, have have come from from corner based situations um and and that is you know you, you think Nicolas Jova coming in in the summer has been one of the signings of the season for Arsenal and has massive changed our yeah. fortunes you know Gabriel's got double the open play goals that Lacazette has this season because of corners <laughs> it's it's unbelievable and big props going to him um yeah a, a really good routine with Eddie kind of blocking off Zuma from getting yeah. to holding and holding rising really well and nestling that that header into the corner. Um, it's also been something that I feel like I've not seen from Arsenal other than this season, you know. 
I've never seen us be an aerially dominant or very, very physical, especially when it comes from corner teams. We have always felt like a bit of a, we'll do a cute little routine and aim for a shot on the edge of the box or to work the ball in rather than whip it in and get the big lads on it. And that adding those dimensions is is really starting to pay dividends because, you know, it, 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 I mean, it's winning us points. That's, that's keeping the youngest team in the league with players like Cedric, um, you know, El Nenny, no matter how good he's been in the last few games, I don't think is good enough for Arsenal moving forward. And we're we're battling for top four and leading the race currently with these players in the team. And that kind of brings me on to my to my third blind mice of the trio with Eddie Nketiah. Um, and a great centre forwards performance from him yesterday. Uh, unfortunate not to bag a goal, had a couple of good chances, but consistently running the channels, especially on the left, was physical, especially for a guy of his height. And I mean, what a new dimension in the last three games that's been added to this Arsenal team by just having a striker that actually have legs that work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, Bradley, I've I've been calling for Arteta to make this change for so many weeks, even when we were winning, because I could see a clear problem with Lacazette. And this is, you know, a player who obviously you have to admire in terms of the responsibility he's taken and um, the influence he's had on these players, you know, um, outside the pitch. You know, he is a big player in the dressing room for sure. But in terms of his actual performances, you know, and I think in a lot of the games that we've won and in games in which he's got an assist, you know, for me, I need more. I need so much more. I need more than the odd flick on that he provides, you know, now and then throughout the game. You know, you need more substance. And Lacazette, we know, is a player who um, doesn't provide any level of potency inside the 18-yard area. You know, we've we've had games this season. I think Liverpool at home, a great example. You know, tactically, if you watch that game back, we, we competed with Liverpool. You know, we really went toe-to-toe with them in that game at the Emirates. The difference was was the quality inside um, the box. And Arteta spoke about this as well. And it was the kind of the um, the opinion I came of um, coming out of that game. You look at Lacazette, um, Martinelli in that game created really good moments in isolation against Trent. And you're looking for your centre-forward to be there. And he just wasn't. You know, whereas you look at Liverpool, Firmino comes on uh, when it's 1-0, makes a really s- simple but intelligent movement across the near post. And it's 2-0 and it's game over. And that's the difference. You know, and Eddie, for me, when I look at players at the club who have improved the most uh, across the last year and a half, he is by far the most improved player uh, for me. And um, I I respect it a lot because, you know, it's it just shows, you know, having a strong work work ethic, what it does and how you can improve your overall game. Because if you go back and look at Eddie before the last year and a half, um, effectively, Eddie is a guy who you come out of a game, you think, he has to score to have a good performance, you know, and you, if he doesn't score, then you think, what has Eddie really offered? And that's not sustainable, despite the fact that we know Eddie is that fox in the box. We know he has quality inside the box. His movement has always been a strong asset within his game. He was doing it in the academy. He was doing it for the under, England under-21s under as well. You know, that's been a, a strong aspect within his game. But Eddie needed to refine his overall game to, to be a player in which could, you know, lead the line for Arsenal consistently, which is what he's been doing in the last, you know, four games. Um, and then when I look at uh, a key moment for Eddie, and um, I remember it last season when we lost 1-0 to Everton at home um, at the Emirates, and it was during that that Super League um, saga. And uh, Eddie, for me, it was a game where 
He didn't have many touches, but every touch he had, the ball stuck to him and he was facilitating attacks. We didn't really create anything that game, but from Eddie's point of view, it was such an improved performance in terms of his all-round game. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. You know, it's only one game though, so I can't really, you know, provide a significant opinion to say, well, Eddie's a much better player. But then when you look at pre-season, um, you look at the games in Scotland when we played Hibernian, Rangers, the, clo the games behind closed doors um, against Watford and Millwall. He's a player who has made significant improvement in his all-round game. The ball is sticking to him a lot more. You look at the cameos he's had as well this season. You look at the League Cup performances. The all-round game that Eddie has is so much stronger. And then you go to these last four games. You know, I think the Southampton one, although we lost that game, I came out of that, that match thinking that was a good showing from Eddie. You know, I think he got a lot of criticism that, but I saw aspects in his game that Lacazette hasn't been doing, which is, like you say, running the channels, making movement and stretching the opposition. And it's so important for a striker to do that. And it just opens up so many avenues for other players around. And then you look at the Chelsea performance, tremendous, you know, and the two goals, but it was the all-round play. Man United um, last weekend, he missed a really good opportunity, but take away that, you look at his all-round game, again, running the channels, coming deep when we needed to create that overload in midfield, secure on the ball, recycling it, but also elevating, uh, relieving pressure. Yesterday, in particular, in, in moments where we were under pressure, Eddie was there to, to really put a shift in and um, was class. And not to mention, you know, the outlet play that he gave us yesterday. You know, how many times was he playing on the shoulder? He was getting in behind Kurt Zuma and he was giving him a really torrid time. And all that was missing from him for everyone to say it was a really good performance from Eddie was a goal. But, you know, it's not all about, it's not always about goals. It's about what you offer to the team. And he thrived in so many different aspects. And I'm really happy for him because, like I said, you know, for when I look at a player who has made significant improvements, and like Arteta said as well, you know, he's, he said that he's made a mistake in terms of not giving him enough minutes. And I think, you know, it definitely is a mistake because he's always showered him with so much praise that he's one of the hardest workers, always trying to improve. And you're seeing it on the pitch now as well. I'm really happy for him because he's getting sustained minutes and he's delivering when we really need, needed someone to step up to lead the line. Now, with Arsenal striker conundrum coming to the yeah. summer, yeah, is this enough of a sample pool to consider a new contract for you? Or is this, you know, the the perfect ending to the fairy tale story for him to kind of ride off into the sunset to Brighton or to Crystal Palace? What do you well, think? Well, I... I think, you know, there's there's three players, you know, we talk about in terms of contracts. It's Alneni, Lacazette and um, Ketia. Alneni and Lacazette, for me, massive no. You know, I know obviously Alneni is a little bit more favourable because the wages are going to be less significant. But for me, you know, this summer is about raising the level of the squad. Um, and Alneni, as good as he has been um, in terms of coming in, we need more. And we have to also not forget that we've had to change the dynamics in the absence of Thomas Party. So even though Elneny has been really good, we've still not been able to utilise the same fundamentals because he isn't that type of player. So, you know, he isn't the guy to take us forward, even as a depth option. Sambi Lukonga next season will be the depth. That's the way I see it. Um, he will take the Elneny role. So, um, and Lacazette is a massive no from me anyway. Um, in terms of Enketia, like I said, I've been a big fan of his um, for the last year. I think he's got a lot of unfair criticism personally. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a weird one because for me, Arsenal need to sign two forwards regardless. You know, one that is versatile, um, you know, can play across the front line. And then one 
who leads the line, who is that focal point. So regardless of what, whether Eddie Nketiah signs a contract or not, from Eddie's point of view, he's at a stage in his career where I think he needs to leave. You know, I think that is the best um, solution for him. He is a player, like you've mentioned Brighton, I could see Eddie Nketiah thriving at Brighton. I really mm. could. You know, he's a player, you know, who you look at Brighton in terms of the chances that they create. Obviously, you know, sometimes they don't create high quality chances, but I think someone like Eddie would do really well there, um, especially under Graham Potter as well, who is a progressive coach. Um, but from Arsenal's point of view, I understand why Arteta really wants to keep him because I think there is a, a role for him in the squad, albeit one that isn't going to be a regular starter. And that's where I come back to it from Eddie's perspective. Is it wise for him to stay, you know, where he is going to play a bit part role um, effectively? Because he isn't, you know, as good as he has been, as good as um, the praise that I've given him, he isn't the guy to lead the line for Arsenal over a 38-game mm. season. And that is just, you know, unfortunately the 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 situation with Eddie. But in terms of playing a role in the squad, I'd love to keep him. But from Eddie's perspective, I think he should leave. I, I, I do totally agree. And I think the thing is, when we've got Balogun coming back in, who can play that kind of hot prospect role, it, it then becomes kind of clearer as to why he should leave. If he can go to a Brighton or a Crystal Palace or even top of the championship, who like a Norwich who flitter up and down and just consistently start games, that's going to be better for his career anyway. Um, then, you know, onto their goal. I'm a bit worried, Rohan, I have to say. Arsenal yeah. have got a bit of a pattern of conceding goals late in the first half. It's yeah. It feels like it's something that's beginning to grow and comes from losing concentration, nervousness, waiting for that final whistle and, and just switching off. And um, I guess the... the I wasn't, it, it's a lucky goal for one. I think, you know, the shot takes a, a big deflection off of Gabriel. If Gabriel is slightly more to his right, the sh it, yeah. it balloons off of him and it doesn't go on target. So I don't think it was anything from that central standpoint. I think the one thing to, for me that to kind of break down about it is the, is the lack of awareness from both uh, Martinelli and Tavares to pick him up and uh, to pick Kufal up on that far side, giving him far too much space open. I guess I wonder from your point of view, which of those two players do you think should have been aware of that danger? Because for me, even though I love him, I think Martinelli, whilst he works very hard defensively, there is um, a defensive intelligence that I don't think is 100% there yet. There's a, there's a yeah. defensive awareness that isn't 100% honed yet. And I wouldn't expect that from a, from a 19, 20-year-old. But we, we need to start cultivating that if he is going to be that main line option down that left-hand side. Yeah, I think um, I think what's important to note, you know, you look at the games against Chelsea United and obviously West Ham, you know, we've conceded really poor goals, but I would say they're not structural issues. I think they're down to individuals making lapses in concentration, but also, like you say, not being aware. I think, you know, I've watched that goal back quite a few times and, you know, in terms of, you know, we, we defend in a 4-4-2 block, right? And um, the idea is to obviously stop the team from playing right through us. Um, so we're quite narrow. Um, so the switch is always going to be on, you know. And um, if, you're, if you're really wide then and you're looking to prevent that switch, then you're leaving so much space in the middle. So you, they're prioritising the middle. Um, and for me, I think Nuno is a tad too close to Gabriel um, firstly. I think if you watch it back um, and you look at the distance between them, I think Nuno is very narrow, far too narrow for my liking. And I think Martinelli as well, you make a good point there as well. Um, so when Declan plays that switch, and he's really good at that switch, he was doing it all game as well. Um, and, you know, Nuno comes out and uh, he's just not able to get close enough to him. And the cross comes in, like he said, there's a little bit of fortune as well for Bowen's shot. I think if Nuno is a little bit wider, 
potentially that helps him get closer to Kufal and maybe stop the cross or at least slow the attack down. Because, you know, it is, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't stop a diagonal switch. You know, um, it is, it's difficult because, like I said, if you're really wide, then they're not going to hit the diagonal switch. They're just going to look to play through you. And then that's obviously not ideal. So you, you're prioritizing the space out wide for them to try and hurt you. Um, I just don't think we got out quick enough um, and we didn't shift um, as quickly as what we should have. Um, and that was the problem. I think Nuno, just generally speaking, one of um, the big problems that he has right now is that he doesn't check his shoulder quick enough. If you look at the... The, the moment where Rob Holding makes a really good block um, in the first half. You look at Granite, he's telling Nuno to just check your shoulder, check your shoulder, look at the outside, and he's just not aware of his surroundings, and the ball gets played out wide. And, you know, the, the guy has so much space to put a ball in, and I think that's something, you know, that he needs to work on. Um, I definitely wouldn't put all the blame on him for this goal, for sure, because, like you say, Martinelli as well has to play a role in there in terms of getting out and supporting as well. But at the same time, you know, I think Nuno was a tad too close to Gabriel, and I think, you know, it's the small margins, you know, if he's a little bit wider, potentially he can, he can get in a better position to, to stop Kufal from, from getting the ball in. Mm. And, I mean, with Nuno as well, I, I do start to wonder what yeah. he offers the team a little. You know, he is brilliant at driving forward into open space and, you know, can progress the ball 50, 60 yards in a move but then we'll hold on to, won't release the ball quick enough. And even though you're 60 yards up the pitch, we'll lose it and he'll vacate that space down the left yeah. channel. Uh, technically, like, can't really trap a ball at points. His passing leaves a lot to be desired. For me, I worry he's got a bit of the Mustafi disease, like the kind of brain dead disease where he like will take yeah. 50 yard shots with his weak foot. And I think with this progression into the 4-3-3 mold and using that almost left eight as that fifth attacker I wonder whether there is a space for Nuno in our system anymore and I wonder yeah. whether the progression of Arsenal has progressed past the best qualities of Nuno Tavares because if you look at his best performances they've come when we hadn't yet become this kind of hybrid 4-3-3 yes. yeah. with the two eights so I do I do start to wonder whether a lone move this season getting him some regular game time to see if he can progress into a more ball dominant player, somebody who's comfortable with the ball at his feet than, that can pick passes that can dictate play a little bit more than, than what he is right now. And then picking up a higher quality left back yeah. who off, offers more of those things might be more productive this summer for Arsenal as you know, every time he gets the ball, some part of me starts to really, really worry. And yeah, that's yeah. that's just something we cannot afford to have, especially next season, because next season is going to be so important to try and, and go again. And uh, like we said earlier, a bit more gumption in the second half and kind of a bit more, there was a little bit more of a press, but like you say, we, we didn't really press them at all. No. Um, and and they didn't press us at points, which I found strange. You know, you the, you know, the, the, Rob Holding was playing some great line breakers yeah. and chips <laughs> over the top because he had all the bloody time in the world. Now, listen, yeah. I think Rob Holding is quite underrated in terms of his qualities with the ball. I think he gets a bit nervous when he gets pressed. But if you give him all that time, he's going to pick a, pick a ball through you. I, I found it so strange the way that it was set up. Um, and then, yeah, we were never really threatened in the second half. After that second goal... What the second half felt like for me was us trying to chip away at a big slab of marble, 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 and whether we would ever kind of get that breakthrough and get that yeah. goal rather than, oh, we're going to lose it here 
when the second half, I, I felt like we were value for a point and it, it was, it was, could we get the three? And, yes, you know, we, yeah. we've definitely managed to do it. And one of the, um, the only real interesting moments other than the goal in the second half was the, there's the Eddie Nketiah and Declan Rice, Aaron Cresswell, Pablo Fornals incident that, that spiraled out. I've got no clue what happened there. I think he kicks the ball away a little and then, you know, Declan Rice is, t- they're 2-1 down and he's spending all of the stoppage time arguing. Uh, like, it felt like a game where a lot of people's heads went and then it it really kind of dulled down the contest a bit. I mean, do you have any takeaways from that second half? Because, you know, even now I struggle to remember the bulk of it. It kind of seems like a, a malaise of grey of just kind of, it, 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 do you know I mean, it just kind of washed over because there's nothing was, no, other than I the goal, it. I don't feel like, other than, you know, there was a beautiful ball by Elneny actually over to there was, Enketia yeah, was again, you know, running that kind of from in to out to in, in to, out, yeah. to the left-hand channel. Yeah. Beautiful work from him and a great ball from Elneny. But other than that, I struggled to pick out moments because it was just one of those days where it really was not, you know, Arsenal's finest hour and a half but have you got no, any no. any insights for us yeah I mean you know when when you watch it like I said emotionally as just a fan from the first viewing similar to you it was just kind of like a blur wasn't it throughout the whole half you know you, you so there's just certain certain periods and certain halves you just think what really happened <laughs> and um but obviously when I watched it back you know there were there were moments there you know I think obviously we we have to talk about the corner you know the the goal again um mm. where eventually um Gab, uh, Martinelli manages to get on the ball and um Gabriel peels away onto the back post. And I think, you know, you spoke about Nicholas Jover at the start of this pod. And um, I've been giving this guy so much praise throughout the whole season because I think he deserves so much credit. You know, I think he's starting to get a lot more recognition from people outside of Arsenal. You know, I was seeing a lot of tweets from, you know, journalists and, um, you know, pundits, um, like I said, outside from Arsenal, giving him a lot of credit. And this is the perfect example of Arsenal doing their best to have the fine margins swing in their favour, you know, having that control. And I think it's so important because you need to have multiple avenues for chance creation. And, um, you know, we had Georgeson last season. Arsenal have done so well in terms of prioritising, you know, having specialists in certain areas and it's really benefiting us. We had Georgeson last season who made us incredibly stable from a defensive point of view on set pieces. We were the best team um, defending set pieces last season. The problem was going forward, we lacked any level of potency. And I think we scored three goals from corners in all competitions, bearing in mind we had the Europa League as well so you know that's that's just not good enough um Jovas came in you know he's had um a Manchester City background also a Brentford background um and you know he's got a really good um uh, a lot of people say a lot of good stuff about him I, I read upon him and you know the impact that he's had both in terms of maintaining the defensive stability because like you said it's what 188 corners or something mm-hmm. um, we haven't conceded from the directly um, which is so impressive you know especially when you look at some of the teams and some of the, the physical players that you're up against in the Premier League we've managed to to be really strong in this aspect and carrying on the good work that Georgeson did last season and going forward you know it, there is a clear method, methodology in terms of the way we're approaching them and sometimes it is quite simple in terms of just getting it in the mixer and having players in the right areas and the right zones and it's ha- had a massive benefit in terms of us scoring goals in key moments and yesterday we needed that so big props for him um, you, like I said the fine margins going in Arsenal way you look at Leicester City for example on the opposite end where they've conceded how many corners this season you know and it's costed them on multiple occasions this season hence why I say you know the fine margins Arsenal have tried to get go their way in this aspect you know so definitely a key moment I think Eddie in transition playing as that outlet was 
you know, a real threat for us. And like I said earlier on, um, had he been maybe a little bit more ruthless, he could have had a, a goal that would have capped off a really good centre-forward performance. I think there was obviously the Ramsdale incident, um, you know, with the the potential red card that people are, are branding. Oh. Um, you know, it's, 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 you know, you had that. I think um, it's interesting. What, what did you think of that? I, I felt that... It's a red if, card if he connects, but he doesn't yes, connect. It's, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like arguing, yeah. uh, you know, if if my it's the whole if my grandmother had wheels, she, <laughs> like situate. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah I, yeah. I I understand the point of view, but if he connects, it's a red. He doesn't yes. connect. Yeah. Jared Bowen makes the choice to skip the challenge. Yeah. Realizes the ball is now in an unfavorable position. Dives to try and get the immediate red. That's what yeah. he does. Yeah. So. Agree. Fa- f- got fairly booked and yeah. do you know what actually i think i would have rescinded the booking for him yeah, being I so honest been. about it yeah he came over and went it's not he didn't touch me i'd have been like do you know what fair enough like yeah yeah, yeah. No, that's that's definitely something to praise in football but I, the, the people are talking about it are just absolute you know casuals just like yeah like graham <laughs> i Soon-esque love that types. word <laughs> graham sooness types talking about you yeah. know oh but it's a it's reckless he's off the floor and if he connects with him he it, it, he hasn't touched him i don't do if buts and maybes i do absolutes <laughs> it's it doesn't matter it really does not matter yeah. i can understand being a bit like oh but it could have broken his leg but it didn't and it's not like he he could listen Jared Bowen is a fast player yeah you are not trying to tell me that he couldn't have caught that ball after skipping that challenge oh for he sure easily yeah. could have he decided yeah. not to that's where that's where both of the conversation like fine if you want to talk about that let's talk about this as well the right result came out in the end nobody was hurt nobody's career was ruined nobody got sent off and you know Whilst he was rightly booked, I could understand saying, well, he was honest about it. I think it's just such a non-conversation. It's like talking about, well, what if Arsenal had signed a striker before the Leicester title winning season? Who who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Who cares? It literally, it it didn't happen. We've got to move on. Um, But yeah, it's it's just so infuriating when when we like... Honestly, mate, I agree with everything you just said there. Like, it's just at the end of the day, he hasn't even made contact. So, how can you give a red card for someone who's not given, who's not made any contact? It, What's it the point? It doesn't What's the make point sense. In even bringing it up. What's the point <laughs> yeah. in even bringing it up? Yeah. It didn't happen. Like, I mean, I agree with you as well. Times, yeah, the amount of times, like, an Arsenal, fa- like Tommy Asu's face got stamped on. Bruno yep. Fernandez has committed two red card challenges against Arsenal this season. Yep, yep. both home and away. Yep. Like. Why are we talking about a non-contact yeah, yeah. Uh, moment in in a in in a contact sport? It's it's a bit it's a bit strange for me. It is strange. It is it is. And I like you said like I said I think if he obviously if he makes contact then it is a red card because you could then deem it as you know reckless and um, maybe violent conduct whatever you want to call it. I don't think it would have been a red card in terms of denying a, a clear cut goal scoring opportunity. I felt we had players to cover even though you know. Bowen probably would have fancied himself to have a really good go at it. I don't think it was a red card in that regard. I think it's just a red card if he makes contact with Bowen because mm. then it's reckless. And that's it. You know, he's not made contact. It's not a red card. Move on. Absolutely. Uh, and then I guess one of the final things to discuss and what I would, you know, what I'm really loving and we, we spoke briefly before we started about this that I'm loving to see in this team is, is what I'd call the absolute bastardry of these players. You know, the dark arts of football, it's something, again, that Arsenal have not had for a while. Things like, 
you know, slowly moving the ball forward for a free kick and then picking the ball up to reset it, falling yep. down on every catch, kicking your boots off of the post before every single goal kick. It's draining seconds out of a game that we desperately need seconds drained out of. And it's something that I think Arteta has brought to this team that, like you say, we're starting to not only manage the structure in a way that puts us in favourable positions, but we are getting every single fine margin to swing in our favour right now. Yes. It's absolutely beautiful to see. Yeah, yeah, Honestly, I, you know, you, I talk a lot about tactics and selections, etc. but there's sometimes nothing, I'd love nothing more than the dark arts and just being streetwise and do, doing everything you can, whether it's right, morally or not, I don't care, doing everything you can to get over the line. Let's, you know, you look at Manchester City, a great example. They play scintillating football in the Guardian and the best I've, I've seen, you know, on the best teams I've seen, you know, in terms of playing football. But when the chips are down, when they're really struggling, watch how they manage games, watch the way that they, you know, make tactical fouls. Fernandinho is one of the best in the world at it. Like he's, he's been doing that for a number of years. Watch how they, you know, players go down when the game state is changing and it's kind of they're feeling under severe pressure. Players will go down with, with fake cramp, etc., just to slow the tempo. Um, like you say, with in terms of just moving the ball when you've got a set piece, etc., wasting times of throw-ins, time-wasting intelligently. All these aspects, Arsenal are getting so much better and I love it because, you know, there is that saying where, you know, nice guys finish last and they do in football they do in sport in general if you want to be morally correct and be you know always play football in the right way you know in quotation marks you're going to be left behind by the teams who play world-class football but also are smart and are intelligent and know that the dark arts are still very important in the game if you look at the game against Watford away from home this season have a watch the last 10 minutes in terms of how Arsenal managed that barring the goal you know and how they waste time and you know the little incidents with Tierney um, towards the sidelines Gabriel as well Arsenal managed that so well Ramsdale as well he's he's brilliant at it you know he is you know what I call a passion merchant but with quality um, and um, Ben White is also good at it as well um, it is so important in the game and Arsenal are doing it, you know, in, in difficult periods where we are under pressure. You look at Wolves away, you look at Aston Villa away at times as well. You, you go back to um, the Watford game as well and West Ham away as well in terms of, you know, that instant, even though I don't know why Declan Rice was, was getting so agitated there. But just, you know, it, it's, it's very important and um, Arsenal getting so much better at it. And it's good that teams, you know, opposition fans, don't are starting not to like Arsenal. We're doing the right thing now. You know, you don't want to have teams say, "Oh, I've got a soft spot for Arsenal. I, I like them." You know, that's 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 them having pity on you. <laughs> you know, you you want to be that team who you know everyone doesn't like. They they don't like playing against. And I think Arsenal starting to develop that. Um, and like I said, when we go into the summer, where we start to bring some level raises, if we get the Champions League, of course, I think we will. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, but you know, I think this team will go at a much higher level because they're gaining the experience. A lot of these young players who haven't been in this situation, they're going to learn to be even more streetwise. They're going to be, they're going to learn to do more dark arts. And that is desperately needed, especially when you're not performing well on the ball. Like we, we didn't yesterday, you know, you have to do the small things outside of tactics, outside of, you know, what the manager's instructions are in terms of exploiting the opposition. You need to do the little things that, you know, don't get enough credit for. And like I said, whether you want to be, whether it's morally right or wrong, I don't care. I care about three points. I care about results. And if players are going to do that, and that's going to help them get over the line, keep doing it. Absolutely, mate. And now uh, this season we have taken twenty-four points out of twenty-four from Villa, Leicester, and West Ham. 
teams that were challenging us in and around that eighth space, finishing above us, you know, massive, massive improvements. Europa League football already mathematically secure, which for me was my minimum expectation this season to allow another season of building and progression. We've done that now. One thing as well, we have the third most wins in the league behind Liverpool and City. It is just us losing late games, like the giving away the penalty against United and going from one point to nothing. Yeah. In games like that, that's where we've lost a couple of points on Chelsea. We This has been a phenomenal season, no matter the way it ends. But like you, I, I'll, I will talk about this in news and views, but I really do believe we'll do it. Uh, all righty. We'll see you after this. For 25 years, Stamps.com has made mailing and shipping easy. All you need is a computer and printer. Imagine mailing and shipping right from your desk, anytime. No traffic, no waiting, no hassle. Plus, Stamps.com gives you discounts up to 84%. Sign up for Stamps.com today. Use code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus postage and a digital scale. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Yes. News and views. Welcome back to News and Views, where we give you all the news and all the views, but mostly ours. Uh, I'm not going to give you the whole spiel that Alex gives you because he reads it off a script and I have no idea what it says off of the top of my head. But if you want to go give us a rating, that would be absolutely beautiful. And yeah, uh, please do. Or support us on Buy Me A Coffee. Shout out to Debs. She supported us uh, this week or the week before. Time all blurs into one. It goes very, very quickly. Uh, but thank you so much, Debs. And thank you to all of you for continuing to listen to the podcast. And a shout out to all of you that tweeted in for my birthday. You're all absolute legends. I love you very much. Uh, not a lot to talk about in news and views other than, you know, today remembering Rocky Rowcastle on what would have been his birthday. You know, a man who epitomizes everything that Arsenal values should hold. And may he rest in peace. Uh, like we've already discussed, Europa League qualification secure. And the only thing I want from you in news and views, Rohan, is yeah, your final game predictions. Final four games. Predict to Tron time. What are your final four results for us? Leeds first. Take it away. Scoreline as well or just result? Or, or just the... Yeah, the just result. you could go for either. If you want to give me a scoreline, if you're feeling, I'll give you a scoreline. Yeah, let's score. do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Leeds. I think we're going to get our clean sheet. I'm going for a two nil win. Alrighty, alrighty. Then it's the North London derby. Uh, the, North the, London. This this is the probably the North London derby with the most riding on it since Aubameyang missed that penalty, and that would have secured us top four. So. Oh, it's a big one. What do you think, buddy? I think we'll do it. I, I genuinely think we'll win it. I, I do. I, I think it'll be 2-1. Um, I, I genuinely think... I, I've been saying it all season. It, it frustrates the life out of me how this team, Spurs, you know, they've had so many games in which they've just managed to... It's essentially fluke because they've got shooters. They've got shooters in Harry Kane and Hummingson. I mean, Hummingson is one of the best finishers I've seen in the Premier League. I'm, I'm not even kidding. This guy, you know, when you look at metrics and you look at expected goals and goals, you know, you, you can say it's lucky if uh, a player is outperforming their expected goals maybe one or two seasons. This guy's been doing it for five, six seasons and he's just constantly, you know, his finishing is ridiculous. That's not luck. That is just a guy who is ruthless. Go back and watch his goal against Aston Villa in like the third minute. The, the way he hits that is just, he has no right to score it. And then you've got obviously Harry Kane who has gone through, um, you know, a difficult spell in terms of um, goals. I think he scored yesterday. I'm not really caught the highlights, but, you know, generally he hasn't been um, 
firing on that front. But, you know, you've got two shooters there and they've managed to, to get them over the line in many games. Whereas Arsenal, you know, like I said, you look at the performances that we've delivered. You know, we've had so many games where we've just, you know, thoroughly deserved the three points every single win. Um, and, you know, from a footballing perspective, Arsenal deserve top four. You know, they deserve top four. And I think, you know, we'll beat Spurs. I really do. I don't want us to just go there and sit back. I think we can take the game to them. Obviously, you know, Mikel Arteta's coached this team to being comfortable in a high line. Let's back our players. You know, if Ben White obviously is back available, let's go there and let's 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 give a good account of ourselves. And I do think if we keep the same dynamics intact in terms of a pivot and keeping Nuno high and wide, even though I've got so many doubts over him, for me, I I go over. The, the opinion that functionality is important and I know he isn't offering much to the team but generally speaking he is the backup left back he's naturally left footed for me he has to stay in the team regardless unfortunately you know even though I've got you know he like you said he worries me when he has the ball as well um, he needs to play but I think we'll get the win there 2-1 and then I think after that it's Newcastle um, yeah away I think we'll draw tough. that one it's a tough I think one we'll, I think we'll drop points there. Um, and like I said, but top four is cemented if we beat Leeds and Spurs. You know, that that's... Especially that's if they lose at Anfield, which yeah. you know, they will. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we have to take that into account. But Liverpool, Liverpool, I mean, yeah, the Liverpool are unbelievable. You know, I um, I hate Jurgen Klopp, but I love him. And I think that they're not going to drop a single point till the end of the season. Yeah, and I think you look at Liverpool, you know, forget about last season without, because there were no fans there, you know, and it has a massive impact on, you know, you look at the games the home form of a lot of teams across the league, you know, it was very poor and that's, you know, how important the home crowd is. Liverpool with their home crowd with Anfield, they are incredibly difficult to beat. You know, I don't think they've lost in what, three years or something with fans. Um, It's it's unreal. And their motivation level is so high. They will beat Spurs. I'm pretty confident. I can trust Liverpool to get the job done. Um, So like I said, if they get they get that win then mathematically top four is done if we beat Leeds and Spurs so the last two fixtures don't really matter apart from just you know trying to get as many points on the board to show cl- even clearer progression but um, mm. I think Newcastle away um, it being a Monday night you know under the lights and all that stuff um, I think it does have an impact um, I think we'll drop points there and Newcastle have been fantastic under Eddie Howe so and like um, you say if we've cemented that top four Newcastle are going to want to cement their place in the top half as much as yes. they physically yeah. can yeah. you know they're they're going to have more to play for in terms of optics than we are so i think that they'll have more to play for as well and then you know the final game of the season is not exactly easy everton at home relegation it, they could be relegated by then they could yeah. be fighting to stay up yeah. i guess what i wonder firstly we'll do the predictions and then give me your opinions where do you think the relegation battle is going to go because it's really not. I have. It's, no it's very interesting as well, I isn't it? It. <laughs> it is. It is brilliant. Like, um, and the, and you you generally see the the pure passion. You know, when you talk about passion merchants, I see so many of these players. You know, just putting everything on the line. And you look at the Chelsea game yesterday. I didn't catch it, but you know, a lot of people were saying, you know. Everton showed quality in moments, but there was just mm. a lot of passion and desire and all that kind of, you know, old Brexit mentality kind of stuff uh, just really got them got them that result. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about the relegation in a bit. But I think from Arsenal's perspective going into that last game, for me, you know, the job will be done. It's, it's, it's all going to be a nice day out. Hopefully I can get a ticket to that one. And, um, you know, the result doesn't really matter. But I think, um, I think we'll win the last game as well. So I, I actually don't think we'll lose another game this season. I think we'll only drop points against Newcastle. Um, and even when we, were, we had that difficult run, um, the, the three losses in a row, 
I predicted the draw against Chelsea. We obviously won that. I felt we would beat Man United and I felt we'd beat West Ham because I just feel like, you know, I still see something in this team. And I felt like if Arteta went back to the basics and um, just gave certain players the platform to flourish, we would we would react. And we've we've obviously done that. So um, mm. I think we're going to have a good end to the season. And how many points would that put us on? You know, we'd, we'd have three, six, seven. Three, That'd be 10 points I'm predicting for the next four games. 10 points. Awesome. I can't remember how many we're on now. I think yeah, we're 63, I think. We are on... Da, 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 da. Yeah, we're on 63, so we would end on 73 points. And that, that point tally would be enough to get into the top four for the last, I think, three or four seasons. Yeah. And that is that is the clear progression, because when you look at the league right now, for me, you know, the influx in money, um, what teams are able to spend all the way down towards the lower lower end of the table, it's so much more competitive now outside of the top two. It's so much harder to, be, to, to maintain consistency and win four games on the bounce. I think Arsenal, Spurs have done it recently as well, but not many teams have managed to do that. And that's just... You you know, a testament to how good we've been this season, and I think um, seventy-three points would be serious progression. Because I, I've even when you know the chips were down, when Arteta was really under the cost, you know, um, and we go all the way back to December Boxing Day, twenty twenty. I'll always refer to that moment where Smith Rowe came into the team. We moved into a system that was more favourable for him, um, and what he started with when we had Urzel in the team, but then we obviously had all the the off the field antics, etc. Smith Rowe came in the team, and from that moment, I can't remember the points tally on the top of my head. You can see clear progression. I think Arsenal have. A accumulated the third most points in the league since that moment and that is sustained progression over a large sample size but obviously the league season always doesn't start in December you know you get all those kind of comments and I understand that and for us to get top four over a season and to finish with you know 70 plus points I think would would be clear progression I think you know people would then start to respect Arsenal a lot more. Absolutely mate absolutely and to do it over you know and and it and Antonio Conte side, you know, another great manager, you know, and also we're asking, I think I saw a tweet about this and it's really true. We're asking kids to keep in tow with Harry Kane and Hume Son, two of the, two of the best, like top, what? 20, Incredible shooters. Two, Incredible two of the shooters. top 20 players in the world right now, you know, unbelievable talent. And to have kids be doing that some of them in their second full season of, of proper top flight football you know is is unbelievable and at a really big ask and it's just it's such a it's such a sign of where we're going I've had this conversation my best mate from home's a Spurs fan I've had a conversation with him before where I say if you look at the trajectory Tottenham even with their world-class players their world-class manager and their you know apparent world-class centre-back and all of this and every single one of their players is the best, but all better than Arsenal's, you know, classic chat. Um, they're only just keeping in line with a team of 20 year olds. You know, once we get those level raises into the team, there's going to be serious, serious room to progress. Seriously. And a lot of pundits and, and you know, people outside of Arsenal, believe me, you know, structurally, I'm telling you, like this team is 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 there it is there and we obviously saw the tweaks that Arteta made you know before Partey's injury and then we made those changes um in the Chelsea game but generally speaking you know when we've had Partey in that more lone midfield role if you want to call it that and Jacka um playing more higher up and Tierney giving a bit more responsibility defensively you saw how good the team was in an offensive point of view I think that's the big criticism Arteta's had um 
and you know, like I said, you added a, a couple of level raises. I don't think people realise how much a centre forward changes this team. A proper top level centre forward. I've got my my first choice, Victor Osman. Um, I've watched him over nearly twenty games. You know, even when he was at Lille, he's a guy. I think you know, he's just a genuine beast, and he would take this Arsenal team to another level. And then you've got likes of Saka, Erdegaard, who will look even better with a guy who moves and makes intelligent runs. You know, there's there's the sky's high for this team just need to get Champions League. I think, you know, obviously it wasn't, um, for me, it still wouldn't be a failure, but it'd be a disappointment because I didn't predict it at the start of the season. But we put ourselves, you know, in a tremendous position now and we have to get over the line and we, you know, that just takes the project. It just quickens the project. It quickens the process mm-hmm. because, you know, if we do finish in the Europa League, it, it just sets us back a little bit in terms of who we can acquire. You know, we are the Arsenal. We know how big this football club is. And it's, you know, uh, an honour for most players out there to play for Arsenal. However, if you don't get into the Champions League, you do limit the pool of players that you're able to attract because they want to play in Europe's top flight. So get Champions League. Have some of those level raises come into the team. You look at what Arsenal offer. Living in London, it is still a massive thing, you know, for players. It's a really big attraction. You're playing for Arsenal, a really good young project, a really good young manager who's got a lot of potential. There, there, there's there's so many benefits coming to Arsenal right now, and you know, Champions League would just just be um, the icing on the cake for sure. Well, that is a perfect way to end the episode. Thank you so much for coming on, mate. This oh, has been appreciate amazing. It. It's such a good chat. It always is when we get you on. It's it's always an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for, for listening. Please, again, we're gonna have we're gonna have three seconds of pure silence right now while you go and follow our RJ Arsenal blog. Alrighty, I I, th- I hope that was enough time for you to get off to, get off the podcast app. Get yourself to Twitter. Do it. I promise you, you will not regret it. Please, it it's sensational work every time. So thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you all so much for listening uh, to the inaugural and hopefully final episode of me hosting the main podcast. You were an uh, elite host, an elite oh, host, Bradley Rohan. Maybe you're giving him a run for his money. You never well, know. Well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll pay you later. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, keep it diff knock and we will see you later after the lead. Peace. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. Please hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you're using. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and buymeacoffee.com. Find us on Twitter at DiffKnock and visit our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Podcast Network.